Welcome back to Porcelain Peak, the strange and scary podcast that covers everything from horror to sci-fi and all of the double things in between. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, John, and I'm as always, I'm joined by... Anthony. And we are joined by a special guest from the Unexamined Hype. Uh, his name is Andrew. How's it going, man? It's going great, y'all. I appreciate you guys having me on your show. I really enjoy it, so I'm super stoked. Well, with the... With the tie-in of music being so heavy to the movie Us, we felt like it was just a perfect opportunity to have you on the show. You've uh, talked to us about being heavily influenced by horror as far as like your, you know, your comings and goings in life. And mm -hmm. like I said, it's something that we really enjoy on our end. Obviously, we made a podcast about it. <laughs> uh, but I feel like it's, like I said, it's the melding of the minds here, a little bit of a crossover event for those of you who enjoy hip-hop and also who enjoy horror movies. Uh, so uh, we'll just hop right into it, uh, and we'll start off with some news. So if you haven't seen it already, then drop what you're doing, including this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And go watch the Stranger Things 3 trailer. Yes. Oh, man, it's so good. Uh, looks like it's going to be pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the music choices that they chose, and then obviously the visual effects, they, they just look incredible. I can't wait. Uh, July 4th is too far away. Yes, uh, totally unapologetically 80s. Uh, which I love, and uh, Steve Harrington just can't catch a break. He just constantly keeps getting beat up. <laughs> and then even by his uh, co-worker, too. Like, how many how many uh, kids are you friends with? <laughs> I know. It's also so great how, obviously, we're seeing these kids grow up. Like, they all have deeper voices now. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but it's definitely awesome. I'm excited for it. I can't believe it's been this long, but if it's going to give us a better product, then I'm all for the wait. Yeah, we've definitely been on record saying that, you know, if something's going to, if something needs to be delayed or something needs to take a little longer to just perfect that craft, we're all for the, the wait. Uh, that was the only real big news thing aside from us coming out. And, you know, we're going to talk about that at length. Uh, but so we'll hop into some trivia. Now, this one is going to be a special trivia event due to the fact that we're having this little crossover event. I came up with a list of hip hop songs that have horror references in them. Ooh. Here's how we play. I ask a question. If you get it right, Steve lives. Come on, it'll be fun. It's an easy category. It'll be trivia. So uh, I'm going to give you the lyric. Some of them I will have to edit because I am a, a, a lame white person. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give you the lyric and then uh, uh, it's a point plus a bonus point. So if you if you get the artist right, that's a point. If you can tell me what track it is, that's a bonus. Oh, wow. Okay. That sounds fun. It's probably going right. to be all you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how I do. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> all right. So from Park Hill... The house on Haunted Hill, every time you walk by, your back get a chill. Hmm. This definitely rings a bell. I feel like it's old. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm feeling golden era vibes. I want to say Wu-Tang. It is Wu-Tang. Oh, yes. 
Uh, uh, do you know what track it's from? I definitely do not know what track it's from. <laughs> right, it, it's off of Gravel Pit. Ooh, okay, okay. All right, so next one on the list. Better dress warm or you might end up like The Shining. Not that boy or that lady, but that N gone crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I ha- I definitely have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this one is Lupe Fiasco off oh. of Super Cold. Wow. Um, that's actually a little bit shameful for me. I love Lupe Fiasco. <laughs> Lupe Fiasco is dope. Yeah. All right. This one's another one I'm going to have to edit up a little bit. Uh, my flesh, no N-word could test. My soul is possessed by devils in the form of diamonds and lexuses. The exorcist got me doing sticks like, homie, you don't know me, but the whole world owe me strip. That's a lengthy one. It is a very lengthy one. Well, um, I'm going to try and narrow this down a little bit. Um, there is an N in there, so I'm going to guess it's not Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> or Macklemore. <laughs> oh, man. But, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, this one is Jay-Z. Oh, wow. From, from what song? Uh, Devils. Ooh. I'm gonna have to add that to my uh, Apple Music library later. Yeah, I think I, I think this needs to be like a playlist. Hundred <laughs> percent. And, and trust, there are some there are some easier ones on this list. Um, so it's not just all gonna be like old like old deep cuts. <laughs> okay, great. All right. So the next one is, and I'll say, Bride of Chucky is child's play. Just killed another career. It's a mild day. Okay. I definitely know this one. I have to wrap it in my mind. Oh, yeah. I've got it. Unless anybody else wants to go. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know Child's Play. Okay. Um, that is definitely Nicki Minaj off the track Monster. It is. Um, who's the original artist of the of the track, though? Uh, Kanye West from one of my favorite albums, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. There it is. That's the that's the expertise that we're we're missing on the yeah. hip-hop end on this side. Uh, but, yeah, so that's that's two points for that one. I give him a three. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. So the next one is Per back on earth to destroy all. Worshippers of peace, body bags, and caskets may all God cease. Together they form an organization much stronger than the mafia. First, Crazy Bone, aka Leatherface the Sawed Off Gangster. I heard a crazy bone in there. So I'm assuming that it's Bone Thugs and Harmony. It is definitely Bone Thugs and Harmony. Man, I could have got that one. <laughs> <laughs> but i i don't know the track it's a uh, hell sent this is great because so um last week my podcast we did an episode and we shared like albums that we are really embarrassed and we kind of got the we got the influence from you guys from a question you guys had asked a while ago what are things we are uh, ashamed to admit we haven't listened to and this is just unearthing (laughs) (laughs) and i i thought i was going to uh i thought i had earned some points on my podcast the next week but i'm just being humbled uh ever so slightly (laughs) with each question hey at least it's on our show so that way you can just be like hey don't listen to this like 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 oh it was a real bad show don't worry about listening to it Uh, yeah i think we kind of had the same feeling after we did both of ours yeah it was definitely because i mean we did a sci-fi list and a horror list so it was like getting that uh getting that stuff out into the internet just it feels real bad at first but then you kind of come to terms with it and then you're like okay this is an opportunity to actually sit down and watch these things right right exactly 
All right. So next up on the list is they taught me how to smoke herb. I followed them when they ran numbers. So in a sense, I was Rosemary's baby. And then I learned the difference between a bitch and a lady. That's a super dope uh, lyric, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to say, because I actually am pretty sure I know who rapped this. I'm trying to remember the song. Is this Outkast? It is definitely Outkast. Okay. Outkast featuring Goody Mob. I just cannot think of the song. I mean, the fact that you got Outkast, like I said, it's, it, this was a pretty deep cut. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I definitely don't know the song. A song is uh, Get Up, Get Out. Get Up, Get Out by Outkast. Definitely great artist. Uh, who was on the list, uh, one of their albums was on the list of one that I didn't listen to, and I offended many listeners. <laughs> <laughs> See, I definitely I checked out the episode. And I was like, some of those, some of those sting a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, next up, because uh, most of y'all ain't real. Most of y'all gonna squeal. Most of y'all just envy, but jealousy gets you killed. Most of y'all throw rocks and try to hide your hands. Just say his name, and I promise that you'll see Candyman. That is a super dope one. I definitely know this one. But if anybody else knows, <laughs> there's no way I'm gonna be able to get anything. <laughs> You can just take okay. it all, man. This is going to be a clean okay. sweep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, is, uh, that is Element by Kendrick Lamar. It is definitely Element by Kendrick Lamar. I really appreciate you throwing some of these uh, uh, softer balls in there. It, it hurts. It, it helps my ego. Yeah. It's it's definitely – it gives you like, like, all right, that one for sure. Like I knew it super quick. Like I could feel a little bit better about knowing – like not knowing some of these really, really hard ones. I have a real low ball here, and I have a sneaky suspicion that someone will actually be able to jump in on this one. <laughs> we saw Elm Street, and man, it was deaf, and everything seemed all right when we left. But when I got home and laid down to sleep, that began the nightmare, but on my street. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fresh print. It is. Nice. You got it. Yeah. That's a nightmare on my street. <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's because I like to play that for everybody. <laughs> Nice. This is a great song. <laughs> my line delivery is a little poor though, because I could have been like, but on my street. You gotta give it you gotta really dig in for that one. The next one, it's going down basement, Friday the thirteenth. Guess who's playing Jason? Tuck yourself in, you better hold on to your teddy. It's Nightmare on Elm Street, and guess who's playing Freddy? I love this one. This one is a uh, yeah, references out the wazoo. This is so original track. Oh, okay, yeah. Original track is by Ludacris. It's My Chick Bad, um, but Nicki Minaj again delivers the verse. Do you get another... I'm giving you another three points on that one. Yeah, that was flawless. <laughs> Didn't realize how knowledgeable I was on Nicki Minaj verses. I mean, does she reference horror a lot? She, yeah, she references horror a lot. All right, and I believe this is the last one on the list. Yeah, this is the last one on the list. This one is going to be probably the most difficult for me to give because it's just laden with obscenities but luckily luckily not not the ones that aren't appropriate for me okay good (laughs) all right uh bite her in her fucking neck bite her in her fucking neck bottom of the fucking lake bottom of the fucking lake call my gang of wolves and bats it's a full moon tonight and these hoes ain't acting right it's because i'm dracula bitch swag 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 it's because (laughs) left brain wolf haley free earl golf wang Oh, yes. I totally know who this is. I don't know the track. I don't even think I've ever heard it. I can just tell who it is by the by the lines. Uh, this is 100% Tyler, the creator. It is definitely Tyler, the creator. <laughs> I mean, even just, just Golf Wang is, is enough. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the track is called Transylvania. That uh, sounds pretty par for Tyler, the creator. So 14 out of a possible 20. That's actually pretty freaking solid. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's uh, probably better than we do on our trivia. Yeah, definitely <laughs> better than we do on a lot of our trivia segments. I'm going to write that on a piece of paper, and I'm going to hang it on my refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> proud of yourself. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Just look at it like, proud of me. <laughs> yep. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for trivia this week. This one was definitely a different one. It was a lot of fun to write, and uh, I'm glad that you were on board and you jumped into it with both feet. 100%. Thanks. Yeah, a lot of fun. And killed it. Yeah, killed it. Thank you. Killed the game. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So on to the main event of the evening. All right. Let's break down us. So I guess we should initially start with saying there's probably going to be spoilers here. Oh, yeah. Definite spoilers. <laughs> One hundred yes. spoilers. I'm not really sure how we could do it without it. So I'll just start off. I enjoyed the fuck out of this movie. The creepy atmosphere was perfectly crafted, in my opinion. It doesn't have any of those, like, jump-out-of-your-seat scares, but it just cranks down the tension, just constantly cranking it down, cranking it down. And then it hits you with a joke that lands and works really well and then cr- starts cranking down the tension again. And I love that about this movie. Some of that worked for me and some of that didn't. I wanted to stay in the tension, mm-hmm. and then some of the jokes, although they were funny, undercut a lot of that tension, and that sometimes pulls me out. So there was a few instances where it worked really well, and then other ones where I was like, ah, let's keep it going. I'm feeling this suspense right now, and I want to keep that momentum. One thing that I really liked about uh, this movie, so one of, one of the things that I just love about you know creative projects, whether it's an album or a movie, is the, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess the replay factor. Um, and this was something where I just felt like immediately I was like, I was like, oh, I'm definitely going to have to watch this again. Yeah, which is a good sign for me for most movies. I feel like you almost have to. Well, yeah, there, to there are things all. there are things that I picked up on first viewing that went with the theme that were just like little subtle things. And I feel like there are so many more of those that I probably missed just busy, like trying not to have a heart attack. Um, <laughs> the in the very beginning they're at like the carnival games at Santa Cruz beach boardwalk and they go to the whack-a-mole section and the person there is wearing a black flag t-shirt. Right. And then later on in the movie, when they go back to the beach, one of the twins is also wearing a black flag. T-shirt. So there's little instances of duplicity that just exist throughout this movie. And I'm sure there are a bunch that I missed. And I, like I said, I, I could have sat down and watched it immediately after it ended. I got the same feeling after I watched Get Out where I was like, well, I'm just going to have to go home and spend the next couple hours on YouTube watching people unpack this with all of their crazy catches. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah, there was all sorts of kind of uh, great foreshadowing and things that that I didn't catch right away. There's kind of that spot uh, kind of earlier on in the movie where the daughter, they're in the car and she's like, Oh, did you guys hear about the government conspiracy about fluoride? Just kind of, kind of laugh it off. It's a great, a great joke. Um, but later on, it kind of foreshadows that there's going to be some sort of government involvement um, in this. And I, I saw that and I was like, oh wow, nice little piece of foreshadowing. Right, and she also mentions that it's the fluoride to control minds, right? Exactly. And isn't that essentially what they're saying? The yeah, tethered are for? Yeah, to control people. Mm-hmm. 
That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Man, it, like I said, this movie shines in the subtleties. And, and obviously, like I said, there are some great things about, you know, the performances. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o is incredible in this. Just the way that she's able to quickly move between emotions, especially playing two different, well, two quote-unquote different characters. Uh, it just has this visceral feeling and like her performance just feels like it's completely based out of emotions and it it's definitely not one of the things that breaks you that's for sure yeah i saw something and it was like it's lupita's first two best leading roles (laughs) (laughs) i was like that's a good point someone else who stood out to me um was was the daughter um she was just she was kind of just a really kick-ass character like out of everyone, she was just kicking ass, taking names, taking lives, like left and right. And I was like, okay, get it. Big fan of you. <laughs> so once she puts down the phone and picks up the putter, I'm all in, all in. Yeah, once she starts, I mean, it takes her a little bit to get started, but once she gets going, I mean, she's full blown. Yeah. And I kind of think that maybe she's going to be a little bit disposable because she's like, yeah, whatever, I don't care about anything. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as shit starts popping off, she's gone. <laughs> I really, like I said, I really liked the family dynamic among, amongst the four of them. I loved all the cheesy dad jokes. Those were just, those were great. Those just remind me of like my dad because he was always about the cheesy dad jokes. And so like, I just felt like, like that I could have been like a part of that family, you know, like dynamic. Mm-hmm. Keeps it grounded. One thing that's really cool. We're really fortunate for this movie. I feel like because we live in California and obviously it was based in Santa Cruz. And so I felt like that was a thing for me that made me more invested in it and kind of made it even creepier because I actually was just in Santa Cruz three days ago. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. And so I'm watching it and I was like, oh, I remember being there. Oh, that's definitely scary. That's definitely (laughs) going to have an effect the next time I go back to Santa Cruz. I'm not going to feel good about uh, walking down the boardwalk and imagining all these like dead bodies like strewn across (laughs) like the Ferris wheel. Even, like, the scene where they're, like, driving up to go to the cabin, like, they're mm-hmm. driving through the Santa Cruz Mountains. Like, I like I recognize that drive, the twists and the turns. I've taken that drive at least 20 or 30 times. And, like, it's so interesting the way that a story can really, really grab you when it's something you recognize. Uh, we felt the same way about, like, the internet creepypasta story about uh, the Beatles. Uh, because that yeah. took place near where we're at. So right, like right. hearing references of like towns and areas that are nearby, it's like it's like it really kind of grounds things and it makes it feel so real. One thing that I thought was really cool about this this movie too is so there were some things that because um, you know we're watching things we're watching this movie and because we know what Jordan Peele is capable of um, with Get Out immediately you're looking for themes right and you're looking for symbolism throughout. And one thing I heard someone say, and I thought it was really interesting, uh, one of the most uh, hotly debated horror films of all time is The Shining. Um, just because people, you, you can interpret it so many different ways, especially the ending. People will say it's one thing, other people will say it's another, right? Um, and it's kind of really up to the, the viewer to kind of decide. Uh, Jordan Peele was quoted with saying that, this, that The Shining was his biggest inspiration for us. And I feel like, there was so many things that we could grasp at and say, oh, this has got to symbolize this. Maybe it symbolizes this. Maybe this symbolizes this. 
But I feel like in a lot of ways, it was really left open-ended for the viewer to decide what they think it means. And that that's, I feel like it's going to kind of drive me crazy because I feel like I'm going to be on the internet constantly looking for like, what does this mean? Like, <laughs> tell me exactly what does this mean? And I'm going to get a million answers. There's going to be so many armchair theorists out there coming up with their own, you know, scatterbrained ideas. And it's going to be hard not to be like, oh, well, that kind of makes a little sense. I think piggybacking off that, one of the pieces of trivia I read said that Jordan Peele gave the cast 10 horror movies to watch, so they all kind of had the same language, Mm. and one of them was The Shining, and then the other ones were Dead Again, The Babadook, It Follows, A Tale of Two Sisters, The Birds, Funny Games, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense. And looking at that list now... I can see a lot of influence on that. Especially Funny Games. Right. Funny mm-hmm. Games makes the most sense. I mean, just having them like sitting on the couch and then having the four of them just kind of like bombard them with just like viscera and, and angry noises and, you know, just seeing them just like all kind of like devolve into like these like emotional states. It, like I said, it has, it has influences. You can see the influences, but it also does something wholly original, I feel like. And that's probably what I appreciate the most about Jordan Peele's vision is that it just feels like it's somebody who, who loves the craft, someone who loves to make horror films, loves to make something that's going to scare you and also make you think and having that and also being able to make something that just doesn't feel derivative in a world where everything feels derivative is just incredible to me. Right. It's rad that he's doing original stuff. And then it's rad for us that he's doing original stuff in the horror genre. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it does kind of drive me nuts that I feel like in the horror genre, especially you get rehashings of the same things or, you know, people buy rights to the movie and say, hey, this was successful, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Let's just remake it and make money off of that, um, which can can be cool. You know, we've gotten some great, great movies out of that. But it's also kind of a bummer for people who really are looking for something new and fresh. Well, I mean, when's the last time, if ever, we got a doppelganger movie? They're not common. I mean, that's the – and I've said it before on this podcast. It's one of my favorite, like, supernatural, like, conspiracies is dop- is the concept of doppelgangers. And they – this is completely different from anything that's on that list, at least as, unless you dig really, really deep because I don't – I'm not sure if this existed on the internet or anything anywhere. The concept of having these doppelgangers that are, like – like meant to try to control your, you know, emotions and your, like your like movements and stuff. I don't know if that's an actual thing that exists, uh, but the, like I said, the concept is super cool. And I love how, how like connected they are uh, the way that they like the, they show the dancing scene and how, like how like the crowd exists in, the real world and how they exist in the tunnel. Um, I, I did we get an, I don't think we got a name, I, it, which is a little, a little disappointing considering uh, you have the sunken place from get out and it has such a, such a great name that you can latch onto. And like the underground tunnels, they're just tunnels. They don't really have like a specific title. I, uh, I read something that I thought was really interesting that, that get out and us live in the same universe and how that could play out if it were true is that us is 
the failed version of the government test and what happens in get out is the perfection of being able to move the soul from one body to another because that was kind of the biggest problem with the tethered is that they were able to clone these people but they weren't able to clone the soul so they were kind of twisted and imperfect right whereas get out you were able to transfer your soul and mind into another body um and kind of you know perfect yourself so to speak which i thought was an interesting theory yeah it's a very interesting concept I'm kind of glad that I'm hearing it now and getting like the actual reaction <laughs> rather than having read it myself. Uh, yeah, that's like super interesting. Like just to like consider that even being a concept. And I mean, we know for sure that, that Jordan Peele is capable of coming up with some really heady, deep concepts. And I think that there's a, that's, that could just be par for the course. I mean, he's, he's gone on record saying that this movie first and foremost is just a horror movie, but I, I mean, after watching it, I just I can't take that at face value. Right, there's definitely some like deep lower class uh, undertones to it. Well, yeah, it's definitely some you know like like a group of people wanting to get their seat at the table and you know trying to take what they deserve. And that's like there were a couple of times in this movie where I got choked up. The conversation between Adelaide and Red just it has so much like interesting dynamics between it. Like just her basically saying like. You, you could have taken me with you and we could have made this work and you know, you could have let me just live and be a real person. But instead you sent me down here to, you know, basically be stuck with everybody else down here. And I had to figure something out for myself. And just the, like I said, the emotions between the two and then especially like I said, red and her like her just like feeling of being slighted and feeling like being like a second class citizen like those are things that totally like like i said elicit emotion they totally make you you know feel for that character even though they're doing terrible things you can see the motivations behind those terrible things and they make sense like like if you were being treated that way wouldn't you want to rebel and lash out absolutely another thing that i that i loved about this movie is um, even though we got a couple of trailers for it is I, I knew there was going to be some sort of doppelganger concept like happening, but I really had no idea like what the plot was going to entail. Right. And what, what I thought was really interesting and I didn't expect is really, it was pretty early on in the film where shit started to go down. Right. So it was like within like 15 minutes, like, the doppelgangers are in people are trying to get are trying to murder the family right and that happened so early i was like i have no idea where this is going after this like are they just going to be on the run for the rest of the movie like you know I, I really have no idea and everything else was just like such a like a fun surprise which is really cool because um i don't know we kind of we live in the age of information and it's really easy to get your hand uh, on spoilers. And I really appreciated that that just didn't happen. Like there, there was so much um, that happened after what we saw in the trailer. Like we saw that there was going to be another family that looked like them, but there was so much more meat that came afterwards, um, which was really fun. Yeah. Especially like the only few things you see that exist after that point, are small snapshots like 
um, like the young, the younger kid backing into the fire. You only get like a quick glimpse of that in the trailer and then it just goes away. The rest of it, like, like you said, like 20 minutes in, we've cleared all the footage from the trailer and now it's like, well, where the fuck do we go from here? And I definitely was not disappointed. The part that we get from the trailer where they are invading the house mm-hmm. and that whole scene was, I think, the my favorite part of the movie because it, I, that was the scariest. And I feel like that's when the movie shined for me because mm-hmm. I wanted to get scared and the invasion stuff was the scariest moments of the film. Yeah. The rest of the movie was still good and still entertaining and engaging, but after that, it's not really scary anymore. Yeah, it doesn't have the same horror elements, but... Like I said, there are still some things like that, you know, that still follow like some of like the horror tropes, you know, having like the, you know, making sure that you've killed the ones that, you know, that you're coming across because there's a potential that they might hop back up or they might, you might turn around and they might not be where you left them. And, you know, that's definitely, like I said, that's a, that's a, a very well played horror trope. And I feel like they did it. They did a fine job of using it in this movie for sure. Should we talk about, all the references to other movies it made. <laughs> uh, we can try to dig them up. All right. Uh, Goonies. Yes. Blatantly. <laughs> and Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I was kind of feeling Friday the 13th because the kid's name was Jason and who wore a mask the whole time. I, I, <laughs> right. I, I like didn't even put that together <laughs> until just now. Well, I mean, and there's also more. I mean, they are kind of like on like a lake. So, I mean, that also kind of ties back to Friday the 13th as well. Right. And we get some Jaws with the kid's t-shirt mm. and then the whole showdown on the boat could be a Jaws reference. Definitely uh, not horror, but Black Panther uh, reference because the kid is wearing that very M'Baku looking mask. Mm-hmm. And obviously his dad is M'Baku. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, what else? What else? Nightmare on Elm Street. They had the tape in the beginning and then also the kids burned mm-hmm. and the whole thing with the fire chud, which they blatantly just yeah. show on VHS. But also that for me was cool because it kind of leads you in the direction of where the movie's going. I think it might come across as a little bit of predictability, like, but at the same time, it's, it's giving you the pieces you need so that when the twist happens or when they give you more information about the doppelgangers, that it's not so out of left field because yeah. chud is about underground dwellers. And that's essentially what we're getting in this. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. So for me, who knows a little bit about the genre, saw that. And I was like, all right, so that's where this is going. There are definitely a lot of uh, cinema references, but there are also a crap ton of musical references as well. Obviously, you've got I Got Five on it. That's that's in the trailers. And it's beautifully re-rendered and turned into this beautiful like horror, like string-heavy track. I've listened to it like a hundred times since yesterday. I'm glad they kept that in. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the fact, the fact that they didn't commit the cardinal sin of not playing the song that they played in the trailer in the movie, like they used the exact same scene. They still, they reutilized it throughout the story. And I loved that. Obviously there's a lot of, um, a lot of punk references as well. Black flag, dead Kennedys. And then there's uh, more hip hop references as well. NWA. So that was hilarious, right? Yes. So they have the Alexa type thing, like call the police, starts playing fuck the police. That was hilarious. <laughs> but it did create this like pretty gnarly tension. Like once that song is just like blasting 
and the kids are wandering that house trying to find their mom and you know that shit's gonna go down upstairs um and you can't hear anything other than the song like that was that was definitely a nice use of that song those uh those twins like the twin doppelgangers they were they were uh, all kinds over the place doing like crazy gymnastics and somersaults and I feel like they they were dispatched rather easily for being so like nimble, but uh, <laughs> like I said, it does just kind of showcase how badass the daughter was. Yeah, I was also happy to see those twins go because they were just kind of shitty. I didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, the instant, the instant the white family shows up, I'm like, oh yeah, they're they're getting murked. <laughs> as soon as humanly possible they are easily the most unlikable characters in the whole movie like you can you can justify the motivations of the tethered people before you could justify anything that has to do with that family they're just god-awful terrible people that was a good surprise for me was that there were more doppelgangers of other people that's true because like you were saying andrew with the trailer we really only see the main family's doppelgangers and so for them to show up at that house, I knew something was going to go down, obviously, because they went there. I was thinking the family was going to show up, mm-hmm. which they did eventually. But then I was thinking that their doppelgangers were going to show up. And to see, the, I guess, the white doppelgangers show up, <laughs> like, wait, there's more? How many of these people are there? It just feeds to, it feeds to that feeling of wanting to kind of unravel it to see how far the rabbit hole goes. And... Like I said, it. Like I, said, I, I feel like it didn't disappoint, and the fact that it tied back to like the very first reference from the movie uh, at the end, having you know the hands across America, uh, just was it was ridiculous enough to just be perfect. Like it, it just felt so crazy and over the top, but like it also made sense in the context. The fact that they were able to make that basically like a horror punchline was just incredible to me. Did you guys think, I guess with a twist ending, if that's what you want to call it, that it was a little bit predictable? I did see it coming. There, there were moments where she has these visceral reactions. Like when the, you see it first when she has to like re-kill that other twin, the twin that falls off the top of the banister. When she has to re-kill, you hear her making those like grunts and noises that you only are really hearing from the other tethered. And like there's like little hints here and there. And it also kind of shows if you look at if you look at the other doppelgangers, yeah, they do ridiculous, crazy things, but for the most part, they look fairly normal as compared to their regular human counterparts. But if you look at her children the you know it's what's supposed to be our main character's tethered person if you look at their children they're these over-the-top caricatures especially the young boy being that he you know kind of does things for his own sake and that he you know that she like has these like crazy backstories about these characters that are supposed to not really have a soul having these really dark twisted souls about them so you get these little references like the tether aren't supposed to have souls, but they kind of seem like they do. Like the fact that they're kind of half and half, they're half clone and they're half, you know, regular uh, surface dweller. Uh, you, like I said, they, there's a reason why they stand out more so than the other tethered people do. 
There was a couple things that stood out to me initially with Lupita Nyong'o's character where I was just like, there's definitely something different about her beyond just her trauma, right, that she had as a child. When uh, they're at the beach and she doesn't see her son right away, she reacts pretty harshly really quickly, right? And like in my mind, I was like, wow, she she really went from zero to a hundred, like as far as the panic scale is concerned, really quick in my mind. And kind of, you can kind of piece together later on that she was probably freaked out that her son was going to get swapped out like she was when she was a kid. But I also kind of uh, was reading up on some other kind of interesting things, um, kind of to your point, um, Anthony, that we could have maybe pieced together and saw that twist coming uh, that made her different. If you notice when the family is they they get to the cabin uh, for the first time early on and they're all eating together she's the only one not eating meat like they're all eating fast food and she's eating strawberries which she probably wouldn't want to eat meat after having only eaten raw like rabbit (laughs) like as a child um so that was kind of an yeah that was an interesting foreshadowing as well at first when i was thinking about it and talking to people about it i was like yeah it was a little bit predictable because of that and and now that we're sitting here talking more about it and with that kind of stuff too, it's, it's I, I'm kind of changing my mind a little bit because it's not so much predictable. Like that's fine. You know, you it's either going to be a twist or it's not going to be a twist. It's, it can only be those two things. Yeah. And he plants enough stuff throughout the entire movie where I think the twist is earned and you respect it. You know yeah. what I mean? So like having Chud, right? And then having the strawberry versus the meat and her not talking I thought was another – indication of that because mm-hmm. she doesn't know how she's never done it before right and then the i got five on it yeah. to me i'm thinking that maybe the tethered don't have a great concept of sound and so when she's uh snapping to the song she's off yeah she's off obviously them. off right. right yeah and so maybe that's because she doesn't really know what she's doing she's not used to doing something mm-hmm. like that another interesting thing that i felt kind of foreshadowed was obviously red is the only the only uh, tethered that can speak. All the rest of them just make guttural noises. Even down to the con- like the thought that she is struggling to speak. Her even talking just sounds so painful and raw. And like there's just like, you know, it strikes a chord with you on a deeper level. But on top of that, the fact that someone who knew how to speak, but didn't have to speak, didn't have to even choose to use any kind of vocalization at all, for that long of a period of time, I mean, it's been, what, like 20, 20, 30 years since the original incident at the beach. Since then, she's had no reason to speak because no one can understand her. And so having to reflex that muscle after that long of a period of time, I guarantee it's going to be something that's going to be so hard on your vocal cords. Just going from nothing to now I have to try to come up with words. And I'm sure, like, after that point, it also feels so foreign to have to try to speak again. It kind of toys with the audience's perception, too, because you're thinking, oh, she's struggling because she's never the doppelganger, right? And so they have a hard time speaking. But then you find out later that it's because she was choked and her throat was crushed Mm -hmm. to an extent. So it kind of toys with your idea of what to expect. I will say, though... um, just one thing there you know you know we can nitpick and there there's a couple things that that did kind of bother me about the movie but there was one where um you know 
we kind of see into the doppelganger underworld, you know, at a at a certain point, and uh, when when she originally first gets switched out as a child, uh, they keep her underground and they seem to have her on some some sort of handcuffs um, for a short amount of time, but for the most part, it seems like they're all just kind of behaving as their uh, you know up top people. Uh, behave and just kind of floundering around i'm like why didn't she just go upstairs on her own at some point like like why didn't she just go up the escalator (laughs) yeah that's a good (laughs) point yeah i don't know also where did they get all these red suits and gold scissors (laughs) (laughs) like where did they come from that's a lot there's millions yeah that's all that's a, a pretty solid number i mean i think that there there are some ways to explain some of that the red jumpsuits and the gold scissors i've got nothing uh, but the I'm sure because this was a failed government experiment, I'm sure there's some minor government involvement to try to keep these people at bay. And also and also I'm I wonder if if the fact that she's still tethered to this other person, I wonder if there's still they still have that connection where they have to move almost in in, in sync with each other. I mean if we want to talk about some of the stuff that we didn't necessarily like we we could do that now so mm-hmm. i think i mentioned some of the comedy undercutting the tension that was a little bit bothersome for me a little bit of predictability i thought and so i'm kind of on the fence about how i feel about that yeah. now after discussing it with you guys i would say those two were probably my biggest complaints and then it wasn't as scary toward mm-hmm. the middle to end of the movie like i wanted it to be because at first when they were invading like i was saying i was like curled up in my seat. I was ready to get scared. You know, I wanted to be scared. Yeah. And then it kind of just trails off with that suspense. Yeah. But not scary. Yeah. I loved the tension, but like I said, they, there are some definite things they could have done to pay off the tension in some places. And they, they, I think I don't necessarily know if it was something where they just didn't, or they chose not to, but at least as you get towards that middle and end there, there just isn't a lot of payoff to the tension. And like I said, the, the, the twist at the end, it, it, like I said, it feels like it's been earned, but they could have gone more places with it maybe. Uh, but I still feel like the, the story as a whole, I still feel like it was, you know, well put together and I love the concept and I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Um, it's, you know, no movie is really perfect, but I feel like those things are super nitpicks. Like, I really, really enjoyed what, what they put forward. And I feel like, especially for somebody who knocked it out of the park with their first attempt. I mean, you know, when you walk out and you make a get out, you know, like an instant classic, it's hard to follow up that type of a film. There are only a few people who have really pulled off being able to just go back to back to back to back and make great movies. I mean, you've got your Hitchcocks, you've got like your Scorsese's, you've got your, Coppola's you've got you know some of the really great filmmakers and the fact that that Tarantino yeah Tarantino the the fact that that there's a good chance that if he keeps this up that you can add Jordan Peele to that list is incredible right I think Tarantino went on record saying that yeah your first movie is important but your second movie is more important Mm -hmm. because there's going to be expectations if you blow it out of the park on your first one yeah and he did and so I think a, a lot of expectations were high for this 
And I know some of the complaints for Get Out ended up saying that it wasn't necessarily a horror movie. Mm. And I don't think that they're going to be able to say this at all about this movie. No, not <laughs> There's at all. no way. And what's what's cool, too, I mean, we're talking about his second project. But we already have something, like, so exciting to look forward to because he's working on the rehashing of The Twilight Zone. They showed a, which... they showed trailers for it uh, before our showing at Brendan. What? And... Like they showed some of the actors who are in play. They've got Adam Scott, uh, Camille Nanjiani. Like it's really interesting to see that they're he's picking these like bigger comedy writers and actors to play these like you know like iconic sci-fi and horror segments. I'm really interested to see the way that it goes. I mean, and like I said, so far over the course of the last like what like three or four years when comedy actors or writers or both step up to the plate to try to do something in the horror genre, they've been killing it. I mean, if you look at Get Out, if you look at A Quiet Place, they're both excellent horror films. This one also included, you know, I feel like if they keep it up, like I said, there's going to be, you know, a new sheriff in town when it comes to horror. You know, it's going to be all these, all these up-and-coming, you know, comedy writers and actors that are going to be taken over. Two sides of the same coin, really. Yeah, I, it, it is. It really is. That's true. Did you guys think that the uh, one glove was a reference to Michael Jackson? I th- think that there's a very good <laughs> chance that it was. Yeah, for sure. I would not be surprised. <laughs> I mean, it's they've got the Thriller shirt. And he's got the one glove on. I mean, I think that that's, that's got to be you know, a reference to that. Did you have – is there anything about the movie that you didn't like, John? Like I said, the only things that I really didn't like was that they – that they built a lot of tension in the later parts of the movie, but they just didn't follow through with it. I would have loved to seen some, you know, some more scares to go along with right. the tension, something to ease it, ease it off a little bit. Cause once you get that, 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 that hit that release, it allows you to go back up to the top. And I feel like in a lot of times we got punchlines instead, right? Which I didn't mind. I loved the punchlines. I loved the jokes. And I felt like they were well-timed and they did, cool things that you don't necessarily see with a lot of other, you know, horror or suspense films, but I would have, I would have also liked to have seen some scares sprinkled in there too. Agreed. They, uh, we had a pretty good crowd. I don't know how your guys' crowds were. They laughed at a lot, but then they almost laughed too much. Like stuff happened and our crowd would laugh. And I was like, is that, was that supposed to be funny? Or are you guys just (laughs) laughing at shit? Yeah, we, we definitely had the same crowd at ours. Um, definitely high energy, a uh, lot of excitement, a lot of laughing, but definitely some weird uh, laughs in there where I was like, what's going on? Why are we laughing? I think some of it was the, uh, the noises, the noises yeah. that Tethered make just like the, uh, like they just like, <laughs> yeah. they would just laugh at that. That's They're like, like raptors. Yeah. I, I was watching Jurassic yeah. Park. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, and then at the end, as soon as credits rolled, some dude was like, what the fuck (laughs) nice like yeah i feel you man and does the son know at the end that his mom is i think so Uh, yeah i do think the son knows because there was enough time for red to have spent with him when she snatches him away like he he's got he's got to have got some insight i also heard an interesting theory that the son might have been switched at some point um, maybe not maybe not during the movie, but maybe at a previous summer because there's kind of these weird references throughout where the son is clearly different than the rest of the family, right? Like he 
when they're in the car, he says some kind of weird off kilter stuff. And they're just like, what are you talking about? Why are you saying stuff like that? Like that is, that is so bizarre. Right. Um, he's definitely pretty quiet, um, compared to the rest of the family. Um, and so that was a theory too. I don't know. I don't know if I believe it, but I was like, that's kind of an interesting thought. I think that we're only going to get more and more of those as more people see the film. Uh, it's opening night did incredibly well. I mean, as you could expect from something like this. Um, and it still has incredibly positive ratings everywhere. I mean, it's, I think it's at a, sitting at a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes last I checked. Um, audience though, surprisingly it was at 77. Well, that that's, that's actually similar to what it looks like on Metacritic, which is at around a 79 and 80, which is for a horror film is still really solid. What did you guys think about the doppelganger son with the mask, like the head, the, I don't know what you call that, like the ski mask almost. Mm -hmm. What, what do you think the meaning of that was? That's an interesting question. The Um, idea that I kind of had was that since, uh, what's his name? Jason. Mm-hmm. Since he always is wearing mm-hmm. a mask, that they couldn't finish his face. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like finish making oh, it. So that's why it's just his eyes, because that's what you see through his. Did you say Umbaku mask? Yeah. So that's yeah, yeah. that's what you see. So that's what they were able to create was his eyes. That's and an interesting concept. They never see his mouth, but also it looks like it's burned. So I was like, I don't know if that's going to hold any weight to it, but. That's there's a, there's a potential that it could be one or the other. I mean, that's like I said, that's really thought provoking. Also, really hadn't thought about what his mask exactly was or what it what it might mean. Sort of animalistic, and then the doppelganger is very animalistic himself. Mm-hmm. So it kind of toys well, with that idea of them being connected. Well, and the mask is the mask that he wears. Kind of has like like an apish look to it, like. You, Mbaku. Um, but also uh, he moves around almost like, you know, he doesn't move around bipedal like normal people. He moves around on all fours. I think this movie has a lot to unpack and yes. I want to see it again, not necessarily just because I enjoyed it, but just because I want to find more stuff and understand it more. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. In the same boat with you. I think I'm already going to, I've already got plans to go see it on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I highly recommend seeing it in theaters. I want to see it again just to, like I said, like you guys said, to unbox some of this a little bit more and see if we can narrow down the truth, you know, that exists within. I want to see if there are more references and more little things that kind of show us where the movie leads and what the twists are. And I, I like I said, I just I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I gave it a really, really, really high score on uh, my review of it for our YouTube channel. And I feel like it's deserving of that just on craft alone. You can tell a lot of love and a lot of time and a lot of effort went into this. Did you guys look up Jeremiah? Oh, Jeremiah 1111. Uh, uh, I did not, but you should read it. Yeah, I have it right here. We looked it up immediately after the movie. So uh, it goes, Therefore, thus saith to the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. That's another one of those things where he's given you pieces. Yeah. 
That dude with the Jeremiah eleven eleven was creepy af. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I thought he was going to do something to the little girl. I was like, what direction is this movie going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Glad that didn't happen. Yeah. yeah, agreed. I mean, I will say that I enjoyed it, and I thought it was a good movie, but I don't think that I loved it. See, I feel, I feel like I loved it. I feel like it was definitely something that I it was worth the wait for me. I was really excited about it and I feel like it lived up to that hype for me. I still feel like get out is a better film, but I feel like this was a better horror movie. I feel you there. I think I'm somewhere, somewhere in between. Uh, I think you're right. I, I don't know that I loved it, but I really, really enjoyed it. And it's kind of one of those things. I was just talking to a, fr- a friend about it where it really is hard. Like when someone uh, puts out a, a classic project, your, your standards are, are high and they're almost unfairly high. You know, it, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of on me that my, you know, that my expectations are like that and is a little bit unfair, uh, but Get Out was so good and, you know, it's hard to not have those expectations when it's your follow-up, um, but it still was really good and I really enjoyed it. Again, enough for me to go see it again. And I wish nothing but success on this film. Like I said, especially considering I really, really loved it, but uh, the... <laughs> The fact that we're getting original concepts again, it's just, like I said, it's it's something that's breathtaking to be a part of. Like, I I love that we're having this little horror renaissance uh, in, you know, in the late uh, 20-teens. And I just hope that they keep the train rolling. You know, I know that they're doing a lot of cool things with uh, horror projects for television now. And, you know, it's getting to a wider audience and more people are getting involved in the genre. And I can't wait to see what that what that brings for even the younger filmmakers that are just, you know, up and coming when they come up with original concepts, you know, there'll be people like Jordan Peele who are willing to go to bat for those people and make those original projects happen. And I, I love it. Well, I think it's been elevated horror too, like with this one and with get out where it's not just these cheesy, low budget, like cash grabs. Which I love those two, but <laughs> right, but they <laughs> have their own place, reasons. yeah. And this is a movie that's going to give you horror and present you in it. I feel like it's boosting the genre. You know mm. what I mean? Because a case can be made that those other movies are schlacky, and like eh, I'm not going to go see that. Like, or you're just going to have a good time, but they're not necessarily good movies. And this was a good movie. And I think uh, you know tying it all back to our original connection with this movie, which would be music. I think that that's true in all things. I think that. That when you have artists that, you know, that make their art and help elevate the rest of the art form, I feel like everybody benefits from it. I mean, you have uh, people who uh, who create these things and people constantly want to try to top it or want to try to do something new because they got an influence from it. And like I said, I feel like that that's true just as just as it is in movies is also true in music. Uh, I mean, if you look at like the current hip hop landscape, you have guys like like Drake and J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar who do these great things. And it makes a lot of artists want to stand up and try to not not just emulate, but try to come up with their own voice and their own original style. And like I said in movies and in music, it just it it's almost the concept of like capitalism creating, you know, competition and having that competition. Everybody benefits because there's more cool stuff to take in. Yeah, we as consumers just get to reap all the sweet benefits. <laughs> <laughs> it only costs you all your monies. I think that about does it for us. I mean, we we really broke this down. 
there's but there's still so much left on the cutting room floor. I mean, uh, cinematography was great. Yeah. Oh, right? I mean, yeah. There were so many moments that like like that harken back to Kubrick and to some of the other great Hitchcock you know, for sure. With the yeah, long Hitchcock takes. Is, oh, those man. were great. Oh man. It just yeah. builds more of that tension. Yeah, the the fact that we went through this whole discussion and we didn't even talk about cinematography and the visuals is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, but there's so much left to discuss. Uh, hit us up on our socials. You can find us at Porcelain Peak everywhere on the internet. That's uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you uh, want to get a shout out on our show, uh, we post things on Instagram all the time. And uh, typically we'll post like little questions and stuff, answer the questions, and we will give you a shout out on the nearest next episode once you post. Uh, if you have any other discussions you want to hit us up for, uh, we are at porcelainpeak at gmail.com. Um, and then, uh, Andrew, if you want to go ahead and plug away at your uh, business as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, these folks at Porcelain Peak do a great job of um, breaking down horror and sci-fi, and that's kind of uh, what we do uh, on my podcast, but we do it with hip-hop. Um, we'll talk about the newest, most exciting projects that are out, um, and we just kind of uh, discuss what we liked about them, what we didn't like about them, and that's one of the funnest parts about consuming media is is really deciding what you like and why you like it, and it's just so fun. Um our podcast is called The Unexamined Hype. Have a couple co-hosts, uh, Jesse and Kaylee. Shout out to those guys. If you want to check out The Unexamined Hype, you can find us um, pretty much on all your major uh, po- podcasting platforms. Um, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, things like that. And same thing, you could catch us on social media at The Unexamined Hype on Instagram, Twitter, and you could also shoot us uh, emails at theunexaminedhype at gmail.com. All right. Well, uh, I'm glad to have had you on. We had a whole lot of fun talking to you. Uh, and man, you still you killed it at, at the trivia. I mean, I think you've done better than better than either of us have done like this whole time. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Super fun. Uh, I love having my podcast about uh, about hip hop, but I I do have a deep love for uh, horror movies as well. So I had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah. And as always, we will see you next week. I think for this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, Love, Death, and Robots, uh, which was a really interesting watch. Uh, like I said, we've already finished watching it, so we just have to sit down and discuss it. But it was a really, really interesting watch. Andrew, if you haven't checked it out, uh, it is a little visceral, and it is a little um, a little graphic. Sexually graphic. Sexually graphic. <laughs> I love all those things. <laughs> But yeah, so like they're they're super awesome. They're like the animation style is really cool. It's little anthology stories that are like between like five and fifteen minutes long, and they're they're super interesting. Some of them are a little boring, but I mean you've got eighteen to choose from, so they're they, like I said, they were super entertaining. Uh, but as always, we will see you next week with another discussion. Yes, thank you for listening, and thank you, Andrew, for joining. Peace out. Keep it creepy. A Hyperforge Alpha Network production.